Welcome, one and all, to Picard, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Star Trek universe. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Bonjour, Pete. Bonjour, Matt. Bonjour, everyone. Here today to talk to you about Season 1 of Star Trek Picard. Indeed, Pete. Glad to be uh, getting together one more time for this season of Picard and uh, talking about the the highlights of the season perhaps a couple lower lowlights there uh but i think we can certainly agree all in all and engaging season of star trek i think from the moment that it was announced uh we knew that they had something special with sir patrick stewart willing to return to this role that has become synonymous with him for you know a a septuagenarian uh soon to be octogenarian Shakespearean actor. And uh, for my money, this was completely worth it. For me, it definitely was a, a, a very great outing. And I think that they set out to make this season of television that they wanted to make, particularly with the idea that this was the 10 part Picard movie, if you will. Uh, I think that to whatever degree that they were not looking to do, uh kind of multiple in-season arcs you know discovery has kind of had uh season 1a season 1b season 2a season 2b uh not equal halves but but close enough uh that was not the goal here for picard uh and doing something very different uh, i think they checked that box as well for me i think overall the season came up a little short in that this is not my exact flavor of star trek you know there's star trek that's about starting the engines and and reforming the uh dilithium matrix and there's star trek that's uh you know dr crusher uh has a ghost in a candle um just as two next gen examples there to me i'm more the former than the latter and picard was kind of somewhere in the middle and i think that remains true to what they set out to do uh sir patrick is very very vocal about saying they did not he did not want to repeat what had been done before and the result is this very different flavor of star trek as you said that is not centered around a starfleet ship and a captain and a crew we have a ship we have a crew they like to refer to it as an ensemble but this is not a mission of the week type of thing i mean nothing in this more recent star trek has been a mission of the week type of uh you know mode um still star trek still counts still engaging uh i think 10 episodes was the perfect link for the story they set out to tell and i'm really interested to see what the second season will look like i'm certainly eager for the second season to me looking at this first season as a whole to me the mix was just off ever so slightly. Um, fine, it's it, it is all all those things that are this season. It is all those, it, or, or rather, it is not those things that that you know have previously made up Star Trek alignments. Um, to me, I guess some of the things that they left behind are some of the things that make Star Trek Star Trek for me. Uh, that's not to complain overly. That's not to denigrate this as as an outing. Um, Again, I think their goal was to create what they created. 
did I love it as much as other seasons or, you know, there's been a lot of discussion, other first seasons, or does it rank up other first seasons of next generation of of Star Trek, et cetera. Um, I wish for me, for my Star Trek meal, I wish the recipe had been a little bit different, but I can respect what they served me being their vision nonetheless. Well, beginning with the pilot episode directed by Hanalee Culpepper, I think they set a tone, they nailed it. Um, they gave you exactly the right amount of nostalgia that carried you throughout the series. You know, there have been so much speculation given set visits and everything. They're, they're going to bring the whole Next Generation crew back, and I'm glad that they've resisted it to this point. I think they sprinkled in just the right amount. To me, again, I don't want to sound overly negative, but I think, you know, uh, honesty floats to the top here. I appreciate the nostalgia that they included, but, you know, as I said in the episode 110 podcast, uh, where I was a little, you know, ultimately a little less moved about the plight of the new characters that were introduced and kind of where they were at in let's say the last half of episode 110, I wonder if some of that was because we didn't get to know them as well because they had a 10 episode arc except for, ah, we're going to carve out Riker and Troy time and we're going to carve out seven of nine time and we're going to carve out Hugh time. Not that I would give up any of the, and of course data time, not that I would exclude any of those characters at all, uh, in terms of their returns and it was it was great uh and and emotionally resonating and all that but was it at the expense of really having you know for example pete i've been re-watching uh, the first season of deep space nine and you know it takes one or two episodes for you to really understand the weird uh fraternal yet conflictive bond between odo and quark and you just kind of get that it is deeply in their characters even though there's not the special odo and quark episode you know do we know elnor as well as you know do we know elnor after 10 episodes as well as quark after one or two uh do we have questions about uh about rafi's past or rafi's future the way we did uh for odo you might say, well, that's a different model of TV. Maybe yes, maybe no. At the end of the day, these are characters meant to stand up on their own as real living people in the fictional world. And, you know, again, I didn't quite engage with the new characters as much. And I think nostalgia maybe played a role in that. Well, and I think you need to do nothing more than go back to the title of the show. You're watching Deep Space Nine, which is about characters on Deep Space Nine. This is Picard. I mean, he carries the show, the percentage of which he's on, as opposed to, okay, what is the Raffi backstory? And even then, okay, we've got a child. She's split from her husband. She's interlacing fingers with uh, Seven of Nine at the end of the series. Could be something pursued moving forward, okay? Who is Captain Rios? Not a hologram, evidently. Um, you know, I, I think you, you got out of Elnor what, what you needed to. And, you know, that episode that he shows up in in the first uh, first time, Absolute Candor, the fourth episode, it's probably uh, my favorite episode, given the, the flashback and seeing Picard go to uh, the, the Romulan refuge 
there and you know he's relocating people and he's going to help him out and it doesn't work out and he has this grandfatherly relationship with Elnor I really enjoyed that you you remind me that all of these characters did have ample story beats to do what I am describing to give us these these questions to give us this sense of tra- trajectory whether it's you know Raffi who uh when we first meet her and then certainly by the time we we briefly see her son and his wife uh we certainly have a sense of her trajectory and what has come behind her uh and all of that um so again you know if i'm if i'm ultimately criticizing how the show engaged with me i guess i will just qualify it as this i'm also the same star trek fan that back you know these low these decades ago when deep space nine was new was pretty quick to reject it during that first season because it was so different. So I certainly leave my mind open to rewatching this season of Picard uh, in, you know, X number of months time and say, Oh my goodness, I'm just Pete. The tears were streaming down my face (laughs) as, as the sad, uh, you know, end of wife and motherhood uh, was finally realized for Raffaella, Raffi Musiker, and then to know that there was a new <laughs> love in her heart. And Pete, I finally found the elusive thing that uh, that uh, Chabon said. It was all right there in episode 104 where, or 105 where we really got to understand her as a bisexual woman, even though many fans have looked for it and not found it. But fine, Pete, now I get it. Oh boy, like my mind can be changed because at the end of the day, you know, this is Star Trek and it is like... Like the best of art, it is something that changes with time. Well, colossal kudos to Michael Chabon as showrunner here. And you definitely see the novel-esque approach they took to telling this story. This is a story that I don't know would have worked for me necessarily in the writing room, but works for me on the screen. Uh, And I come to that as a Star Trek fan and not as you know, somebody who has uh, uh, made some as of yet unproduced TV scripts. But, um, you know, I I really, really enjoyed where they started. You want to talk about character. I mean, we've not mentioned Issa Brignone's Dodge or Soji just yet. I mean, she's the breakout star of this show. Um, And the level to which she carried it after Sir Patrick the weight put on her shoulders playing several different characters, different iterations, if you will. I mean, look, look at the, uh, the shell game that they played with us from the start. Oh, Hey, my character's name is Dodge. Oh yeah. The one that dies in the first episode. Uh, and that was certainly a fun twist. I suspect too, when it comes to the combination of Issa Brignones as well as her characters, I, I think that the show, the people making it, felt that intangible, uh, whether you want to say star quality or that intangible thing. I'm reminded of a uh, of a story for uh, the U.S. version of House of Cards. No, uh, you know, we'll we'll acknowledge the uh, the evil of Kevin Spacey uh, in passing. That does not impact this story. Um, it was said pretty publicly that Bo Willimon, who was the the creator of the American version, that he kind of and I want to use my words carefully here because nobody ever claimed that Willimon was uh, was inappropriate, but he kind of 
he kind of fell in love with the character uh, played by Rachel Brosnahan, which originally was going to be this tiny part. She a, a lady of the night, as you might recall, Pete. Um, and he kind of became enchanted by the character on the screen. Again, nothing inappropriate. I think for Star Trek Picard as well, certainly, you know, Dodge slash Soji, you know, that was meant to be the lovely fresh face, the sympathetic person, you know, ah, we all remember when we were 20, you know, or is it three years, 38 months old, you know, whatever it is. I think that there, she, the actress has this intangible quality. And I think that the show fell in love with that again, nothing inappropriate, but the, the show fell in love with that in, in a way that, I don't know, it's difficult to quantify, but I felt like was there. As the daughter of data and cloned from this neuron that went from data to B4 to her to set the story up that way, to bring Brent Spiner back, hand from a legacy character to a new character, I, I thought it was completely appropriate, completely emotionally appropriate too, with where this Jean-Luc Picard is at 94 years old when we have returned to him. And I think if there was some uncomfortability coming from some quarters as to the show maybe some of it was just the notion of Jean-Luc Picard is my TV dad TV dad is getting old TV dad may die nay TV dad does die in this although you know through the magic of science fiction comes back virtually unchanged um but I think that you know it's rare that you see a TV character certainly a TV lead who is not vital who is not at their tippity top shape whatever it might be and to really embrace this notion of there is a there is a slide at a certain point in your life, and you know it's not just oh, vaunted perfect Admiral Picard has slowed down a bit. It's he's lived with regret for over fifteen years. The biggest test given to him, he failed. Now we know not you know not due to lack of trying, and there was this you know interspecies conspiracy, so on and so forth. But when you know when push comes to shove, the biggest test given to Picard in life, he failed. That's a tough pill to swallow, but I think that it certainly is a mature one in a show that was trying to give a different perspective other than Captain Picard, always your dad, always right. If anything fell short for me, it was what they predicated the Dodge Soji storyline, the synth band for me felt, no pun intended, a little artificial. This idea, robots went crazy. They killed a bunch of people. I never felt like we were attached to that. We didn't care about it. It was this thing that happened, and okay, you can't have robots like Data anymore. All right, it, it did what it, what it needed to. I felt it was a little belabored in that regard. Yeah, I think, I mean, insofar as it was Space 9-11... Uh, and so many of us have memories of 9-11 or, unfortunately, you know, similar uh, attacks throughout the world. I, I think it becomes an easy, for those of us who, who have lived through something like that, it becomes an easy transference. But then you do the, the separation of fiction and the separation of science fiction. And instead of it being, you know, a fundamentalist terrorist, it becomes kind of robots, something, something, conspiracy, something, something. There's the flavor of, oh, I know what this is like. But but I agree. I don't think that we were ever 
fully hooked in. However, you can understand its genesis in terms of a, they needed something that was somehow data went away, data returns, data's daughter kind of thing. And I know he died in Nemesis, but you know, the, the spirit of data has been on pause for all this time and then comes back now. Uh, and then you also factor in that we need to have this thing that had Picard on the sidelines kind of around Nemesis or maybe Star Trek 09, you know, something there that kind of puts him on ice. So there haven't been the continued adventures. There's been the, and he stayed at home and made wine. Now let's pick up in this brand new series. The episode that I feared the most wound up being one of my favorites in the fifth episode, Stardust City Rag. This is something that looking at the trailers, looking at stills to it, I'm like, all right, Picard's wearing an eye patch. The captain's dressed like space pimp. This is going to be awkward as hell. And that's a really fun episode. We bring back seven of nine in that episode. We see that the trauma she's gone through since she's returned from the Delta Quadrant and we slide her into the mix really enjoyable episode to me the best episode and i wish there was more of this flavor in the rest of the season let me point out though it does require knowledge of the preceding four episodes certainly and though it sets up the five episodes after it this is kind of sort of a standalone episode it's a standalone adventure um this episode has stuck with me in a way where I, I continue to think we're in this platinum age of television and we're working off of um, the most recent mega success for TV being Game of Thrones, you know, the eighth season notwithstanding. Um, you can't take away the fact that that was so huge for so long and so successful, uh, in part because everybody was saying, all right, the next Season 8 episode is going to be great. All right, this one wasn't good. The next one is going to really pay it off. And, you know, at the end, ultimately did not. But my point is this. I think we're going to see the pendulum swing back a little bit. And this notion of, there basically are no episodes. We just we just happen to make 55-minute little segments that have their own little arc. But everything is the season. Everything is the chapter for the novel and television. Everything is the five-year, 50-episode plan. I think we're going to see that swing back a little bit because Stardust City Rag was the best episode of this series. Look, maybe this is not a change that happens in the course of Starship Picard as a show, but I think you're going to I think there's going to be a little bit of nostalgia towards, you know what, we will separate these 10 episodes into arc A and arc B or we are going to do the X-Files type model of the continuation episodes and kind of some more standalone because to me, Stardust City Rag was the best. You got to have a Star Trek dress-up adventure, hidden communicators, hidden weapons, weird aliens. It was, to me, the most... Uh, I, I, Pete, I won't say authentically Star Trek, because Star Trek is not mine to define, but it was what I was looking for most. When you look back at the credit sequence, knowing how the series ends... They were hiding it in plain sight the entire time. They were reconstructing Jean-Luc Picard or what I'm now calling the JLMD. <laughs> uh, I mean, you're absolutely right. And it's it, it was interesting to see how, um, for example, if, if you had no foreknowledge of the season, uh, if you had not seen the previews or didn't particularly remember, you know, we talked at the at the end of the first episode, 
big dramatic reveal for the first time. Is it? Could it possibly be? It's a Borg cube. Oh my goodness, I had no idea from any of the trailers or commercials <laughs> leading up to you know. But like my point being, in the credits, okay, it's obvious there's something cube-like in the credits. Um, maybe you might look on that with with naked eyes and say, is that a Borg cube? Is that a the three dimensions that you travel in space? You know, oh, it is a Borg cube, and so on and so forth. It's it's an interesting credit sequence that does kind of have these little things that that you know it's the same credit sequence each time but it looks a little different as your experience changes bringing the borg back so intertwined with picard and obviously his experiences lacutus smart move i think it gives you that level of intrigue and weirdness the the romulan stuff i think was less successful i like that hanging at the end of the season is this borg artifact it's still out there. You have these XBs. Will Seven return? Won't she? Um, I'd, I'd like to continue to see more of the Borg stuff moving forward. I really enjoyed the Hugh stuff. I think he was used to exactly the right amount. And then you you get this heroic story and end that we have to him. And, you know, Jonathan Del Arco just absolutely reveled in the, in the return. Uh, but really want to see more Borg stuff. Yeah, and I think the notion that, you know, Hugh can come back because he's on a, you know, a, a Borg regenerative cube and he can just find his alcove and whatnot. I think sometimes we as TV view, TV viewers, let alone Star Trek viewers, sometimes maybe we're a little too smart for our own good. Like not everything needs to be, let me outthink the writers, let me play that game of chess and whatnot you know sometimes you just kill off a beloved but supporting character at the midpoint in order to say oh what great loss you know for the real grown-up characters for the real big characters to go i shall get my revenge or i am sad or oh he got us he got us the dossier and then paid the price for it you know whatever it might be you know they're not going to kill off picard at the midpoint could they kill off hugh yes uh, they're not going to kill off, you know, uh, Commander Riker, Captain Riker at the midway point, but they will hew, things like that. And sometimes that's all it is. It's not, you know, and setting up the secret deleted, triple deleted scene that's going to be shown at some future point at Comic-Con that Hugh's actually, sometimes it's just you kill off a character and that's it. Amongst the Romulan stuff that really worked, that I really enjoyed was the refugee aspect and Laris and Jabon, who we don't see, and for good reason, after Picard leaves Earth to go on this mission to find Soji. Um, really like to see them return in season two. Yes, asterisk. You know, I do wonder, this mechanism of short treks, you know, if if when they finish breaking season two, if they go, ah, you know what, we had all this great Lars and Javon stuff had to get cut because we did this and we did that. And we, we never ended up even filming it, um, but it, it's these great story points. It was this really funny story of Javon with the dog. Hey, can we shoot that in three days as a short trek? Absolutely. And, and to me, I would I would be happy for either. Um could you do a Hugh flashback for a short trek, et cetera, et cetera. Things like that where you wish he had more, but, you know, maybe maybe in season two of Picard, oh man, I can't believe there's a brand new unstable wormhole and now they're far from Earth. We just can't do Laris and Jabon. There's a place to bring them back nonetheless. 
I mean, it makes you wonder what a second season storyline is going to look like. Obviously, Picard now in the body of this Gollum, will that be a known thing to other people or will it be a hush hush? Don't reveal that his human body has died and he is now a synth like uh, Soji. I think it could be interesting either way. Yeah. I think at most you get it dealt with in, in the first episode, like maybe, you know, Picard is finishing his uh, graduation speech to Starfleet Academy and says, you know, and thus though I am synth, I'm the man I've always been. Cause I'm telling you, I would not be happy as a viewer. If we spent the first season with the hunt for all the hunt to end all synths. If now season two is the hunt to find Picard and Soji, the synths, like, we've been there you gave us the he's exactly the way he always was including whenever the character was going to die uh biologically there's that too uh except he doesn't have the brain abnormality everything's fine we're back on track with fate and life and whatnot let's just leave it at that and move on one thing the finale really made me think about given what you talk about with the restrictions they put on his artificial body. Yes, there's the algorithm. It's going to give you approximately the time you would have had left. I've got to wonder. So we've been guaranteed this second season. Who knows if there's even an ambition for a third season and, you know, the massive wild card, this coronavirus worldwide pandemic that has happened as the show was finishing up airing its first season uh, and pushing literally everything back um, months, if not more, um, you know, what, what would be the, the thing I would think they talk about at some point, will there be some kind of time jump of significance? I guess what I'm, I'm moving towards is this does the show when it ends naturally end with the timer running up on Gollum Picard and that's it. The character is gone. I think the only way you do that is if you no longer can have Patrick Stewart while you are making a season, which is to say if he becomes ill or, or heaven forbid worse. Uh, I think that if there's the possibility of doing more, um at the end of a natural end point um whether it's a short track whether it's this whether it's that do you leave that open and if you never fully close the door on that character then you still get to say hey under the watch of alex kurtzman and you know kurtz trek era um and all the associated others jabone etc um hey you cranked out 20 to 30 more episodes about jean picard that's a pretty darn good um, postscript to the character. You don't need to then say, and PPS, we get to do the funeral episode too. Unless, of course, you know you are truly saying, uh, saying goodbye to it all. And Pete, on the topic of a season three, back before all this coronavirus stuff, the, the rumor by way of the Hollywood trades was that they were considering doing seasons two and three back to back. Now, how does coronavirus impact all of that? I know one important thing to keep in mind as changes get made to schedules since production in 2020 is, has come to a, st a standstill 
the question, if you're Hollywood, the question is not what's coming out this year. The question is what's coming out in 2021. So I don't know how that would impact doing two seasons back to back and that sort of thing. Um, but that's just something to keep in mind with all this production stuff that, you know, for example, why did Disney move all this stuff into 2021? It's not only that it won't be ready as soon as they thought it's, oh man, if we go back to work tomorrow, we're fine for the rest of this year. We got nothing for next year. Right. Um, I mean, back to the, the point about a potential time jump, I think it addresses one of the criticisms you leveled, I think to be able to see, I mean, Picard is going to be Picard, but to see all these other characters around him, to see the ensemble develop with, you know, a Battlestar Galactica-esque time jump. And, okay, uh, Raffi and Seven are now fully together and a couple, or, you know, Elnor has become the Jedi Knight. We always thought he might uh, from the, the novice warrior um, you know, Soji has attended the Academy and is now a lieutenant on this ship and she has a desperate mission and she she goes to the card. I, I just think it could be another flavor of the show, not following in that next generation footprint, uh, but in the one they've established here. You have me coming around to it a little bit. My mind had first gone, of course, uh to the end of Avengers Endgame and that that moment of that ensemble of all ensembles that that perhaps most expensive you know thirty seconds of film ever. Um, I also think too, no spoilers, but I think too of the uh, the finale for Veep, which gives an opportunity for every character to have their storylines concluded at the at the natural end of another character's uh, story, shall we say? Um, so I think there is that. There is that potential, you know, there's that potential. Here's where I feel conflicted, Pete. Do I want the return of Dr. Beverly Crusher to be, you know, at Jean-Luc Picard's funeral in no, two years time or that kind of thing? You know what I mean? I think they'll sprinkle in a couple more in the, in the next season. I mean, the, the Rikers and Data, that was the perfect amount. You didn't want to hinge it so much on the next generation reunion getting a character back from uh a regular from another show in seven great you know does that mean we should expect in season two uh you know full-on augment uh dr bashir now a mustache twirling section 31 evil operative it, it definitely should not be that although I'd, I'd be around for that discussion um you know, a, a plot thread that hangs out that, you know, we've 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 looked at, but we've not quite gotten to. And again, it, it's obscured in a dream. Uh, the five queens in the in the uh, hand that uh, is played in poker in Picard's dream with data. You know, we met Dodge. We met Soji. Uh, we, we've heard about Jana. We've met Sutra. Is there another um, uh, sister out there was was that just a, a random thing? Could be another thing that gets explored. I was convinced that uh, you know of all the theories that we could pull at, I was convinced that the five queens uh, detail that you noticed was going to turn into something. You know, all of these little things can't always be a thing. You know, I think of 
in season one of Daredevil, we spent a ton of time talking about the, the cork board. Uh, it was either in the police office or, or in the, the newspaper guy's office. And it, it ultimately was just, you know, a piece of set dressing. That was it. I thought the five queens were going to be headed somewhere. I was counting up those Issa Brignone's characters, even the one, you know, the one off screen that, that, that was killed by Rios's captain. Ultimately, yeah, it just didn't pan out. I would be curious to know, was that meant to be a thing? And then just in the process, it fell away. Or was it just five queens because you never have five queens in a deck of cards and that was proof that there was a problem? Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to have a conversation and, and see what the origin of that was. Well, Pete, let's take a look at the uh, poll that we ran for the season. Uh, and it shakes out like this. Uh, one star, I won't be back. That got 3.4%. Um, although I mentioned Pete, you know, the, the sagacious people at, uh, at, uh, Trekkie tantrums and, and the similar accounts finding a lot of people who are complaining about the entire season after finishing their plate and cleaning it and licking right. off the last little crumbs. <laughs> then they say, this was terrible. I, All those I, I, synths I, out there, right? Yeah. <laughs> All those yeah. Russian synths. <laughs> uh, two stars. Hello, darkness. Uh, cry emoji, 3.4%. Three stars. Epic voyage. 34%. And then four stars. TV's Shakespeare got 58.6%. Uh, so some enthusiasm there. And uh, a trio of tweets from Annie Harrington. That's any time left. That's time with a Y, Pete. Uh, she says, I think maybe my only tiny petty beef is that I feel O's and Nerissa's ears stuck out a bit much. I suppose I would have wanted to see more background on the uh, Narek-Narissa relationship and more foreshadowing on the Seven-Rafi relationship. Also, more number one overall. So basically, my complaint is that I want more Star Trek Picard, darn it. The characters were also compelling. I compared, I, I cared about all of them immediately. Yeah, and, and now we begin the wait. Thank goodness we're going to have more Star Trek. I mean, geez, Matt, could you imagine if we had this and no discovery coming if we had this and no lower decks coming thank goodness there's going to be something in between this and the next season of star trek picard yes and i had detailed on twitter and i won't go through it blow by blow here my theory is that we're going to get discovery on thursday june 11th plus or minus uh, a thursday um yes the asterisk is where they're up to with post-production stuff um However, well, they yes. finished all but one episode. We know that from a from a tweet by one of the editors. Editing, yes. The scoring is not yet done, let alone they have to record the score. Some people on Twitter were like, whoa, stop the presses, guys. Once Jeff Russo's done with the music, you simply can't. How do you make music without an orchestra? And for those who play in a Hollywood orchestra, um, my sympathies that you're not working right now. I hope that. California and your unions and studios and whatnot are taking good care of you. Here's the flip side, Pete. If the only thing preventing discovery from reaching our screens this summer is the ability of an orchestra to get together, here's a couple of thoughts. Uh, there was a guy on YouTube like 10 years ago who did some uh, online uh, choral thing and recorded everybody over the computer. And then he did a whole Ted talk about it. That's number one. Yeah. So you, you could do that. Number two, worse comes to worse. You get the five best, you know, synth keyboard players, uh, synthetic keyboards, not synthetic human. <laughs> you get the five best keyboard players that you can. You get them on Skype, Zoom, whatever, and you sit and go, all right, Fred, 
you uh, no uh, no Fred pun intended. Although Fred's on deck here, uh, that's a baseball reference. Anyhow, all right, Jimmy, you're going to play the drums on your keyboard, and all right, you you're going to play the strings. And if that's the only thing, you can make the music synthetically and go back and score it properly later on. Like they're not going to sit and go, well, but six feet difference d- distance, we can't possibly ever record music, so Discovery's on hold indefinitely. Come on. Yeah, I I think it it may cause uh you know a chance for some unusual solutions here but again it it it's it's closer than not and uh hopefully we're gonna get that soon an email from uh r young who says love jerry ryan and picard but what was the point of the borg in the season didn't really factor into the story or the ending much like elnor i think again having the borg linked with picard that you know, to, to use the title of the one episode, this impossible box that this uh, cube has been left adrift, that they've researched the Borg. You give uh, Hugh an opportunity to come back in a, in a role of leadership. Um, do we understand the Borg anymore? Uh, oh, okay, they assimilate stuff and people get severed from it. Uh, they can kind of reclaim who they were, Hugh, Seven, some of the other ones who these it very much for me mirrors the, the Romulan aspect that they're refugees, that they're people without uh, a planet, without a nation. Um, but then you look that the Romulans have a 218 warbird fleet and not have a home world was a little incongruous. Um, you know, I, I, I think the, the Borg as a mysterious thing that we still, after all this time, understand so little of where's the queen, the inclusion of the, uh, the spatial trajector was a nice touch to reach back to Voyager and to think that, okay, there's a way for this to return in the second season, I have to imagine has to be a part of it. With that, Pete, we've mentioned the Borg queen. How about the human king? Let's hear from Fred in the Netherlands. Hello, Matt and Pete, and all listeners to Fantastic Geek. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Star Trek Picard Season 1 wrap-up. First off, I want to thank you for this nice ride last 10 weeks, guys. And I appreciated it very much that you waited for me, or not only for me, until Saturday before you did your recording, because that was the only way I could get my feedback in in time. And as many times said, you're speedy guys, so normally the episode is out and you just record the same day. So thanks a lot. Okay, did I like this series? Yes, last time I already gave the series as a whole an 8, so out of 10, so that means that I did like it. I liked very much the arc that Patrick Stewart portrayed in this older Captain Picard, and now Admiral Picard, but that is only clear if you are halfway the series or getting towards the end that 
you are going to realize his regrets, his pain, etc. And you slowly see the old Picard coming back, more or less. I think it was a, and he also said it in the ready room, a demand of Patrick Stewart not to portray the Picard as he was in The Next Generation. And on the internet and other podcasts, there were a lot of complaints in the beginning that they didn't get their old Picard back and they had to get used to this, yeah, getting older, a little bitter, just waiting for death kind of Picard. And in the beginning, he played a more, let's say, numb Picard. And I still am not sure if this was just this way of portraying this older Picard and the acting of Sir Patrick was spot on or that there were some acting problems in the beginning as well because I didn't find it very believable if you look at him as the numb waiting for death person then it also didn't feel very real for me. On the other hand at the end of the series or from episode 5 onward or so we did see very very nice acting of Sir Patrick. So it's not that he is not able anymore. Of course I liked to see Marina Sirtis and Jonathan Frakes and Brent Spiner and Jerry Ryan back in their roles and I think they all did a quite a nice job. I was very much amazed about the quality of the acting of Lulu Wilson who played Kestra, the daughter of Will and Diana. I also am amazed actually if you look how old she is, is about the acting of Isa Briones who played Soji and her more or less counterpart Sutra. I'm less impressed by Evan Evan Gora who played Elnor. He just had a too small role I think and a too silent role. I was a little bit afraid Picard would die at the end of season 1 and it would become a 7 of 9 series in season 2. Well, he did die, but he is in some fashion still around. The end was a bit strange, so what is this crew going to do? Do they have a mission? It's just a crew going through space. And they don't even have the idea of space exploration. I don't have the impression that there is a clear mission for them. So if you have to predict what they are going to do in season 2, you have actually no idea. I could go into many nitpicks, but I think that is not the point in a wrap-up feedback. So in general, I was quite nicely surprised by this series. What I liked is that the pace also was a little slower, more on character. I have sometimes difficulties with the speed of Star Trek Discovery. So this was nicely matched to my age, I would say. And I liked the cinematography a lot. And that's actually also true for Star Trek Discovery, but just in another way. Okay, looking forward to speak to you again when Star Trek Discovery starts. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands, and stay healthy. 
great reminder there from Fred to stay healthy. And uh, Pete, I like how he kind of, uh, I think, captured Picard's arc, which was back, then home again, you know, less energy and then more vital towards the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, we had had a listener in the previous uh, podcast talk about uh, and and a European one at that, um, you know, being down on uh, Sir Patrick's vitality and then you get the switch into the new body and snap. It was acting all along. And, and I think Fred's picking up the ageless Fred. He talked about his age there. Come on, Fred. Fred, young at heart. Uh, Fred also uh, shouting out Lulu Wilson and Issa Brignones, uh, certainly two powerful uh, young ladies. And there for me, I want to see the Riker child following their footsteps. She's got to go to Starfleet Academy. She's got to wind up on a ship. She's developed this relationship with Soji. There's another, you know, flash this forward at some point story. Okay, they're serving together. Uh, and I think Fred has a really great observation that at the very end as they all get together in the bridge area and engage and head to the next mission of, wait, Pete, where is everyone headed as they, they engage? Were, they were going back to Earth. I mean, come on. That was, that was always the assumption. I would imagine that when we resume a second season, heavens, whenever that's going to be, it's going to be, all right, synths have been accepted, and here is Soji the synth and Picard, whether it's known his status or not, and new threat emerges. I, I like that Fred called that out. I think, obviously, the show was ending on an emotional note versus a story point note, but I, I think his observation there is a great one. Indeed, Pete, as they have been all season, uh, it's always such a treat to hear from Fred. It is, and we're thankful to have him along for the ride. And it's been fantastic podcasting this entire season of Star Trek Picard. And of course, we could not have done it without the support of those who go to patreon.com slash fantasticgeek and help make sure that this ship stays afloat with uh, a couple of a uh, couple of bars of latinum there, making sure that uh, we got enough dilithium to keep us going from one star to the next. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content. Your contributions have never mattered more for us, particularly with the state of the world right now. All it takes is a dollar a month to get you in that door and you help us immeasurably. Can't contribute just now? Get over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, takes a second. Leave us a review, takes a little bit longer, but all helps spread the word about Fantastic Geek. All sorts of goodies there. There's one, though, Pete, that's always a freebie. How can people open hailing frequencies to you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 11,291 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast, comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek, all one word with the P, with the H, like it today. Well, Pete, on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we'll be talking God Friended Me in the coming weeks. Also, some MCU stuff ahead. 
Uh, but for now, Pete, we bid Star Trek. A little Trek bit Trek. of Star Trek Discovery as well. Uh, absolutely previewing Star Trek Discovery. Uh, Pete, I just assumed that that was de rigueur, that, that you know, uh, we'll be talking more Star Trek Discovery. Uh, I'll say this as well, Pete. Uh, depending on how changes come to the remainder of the 2020 TV schedule, uh, yeah. particularly looking at you, uh, Falcon the Winter Soldier, maybe Mandalorian, and WandaVision, uh, we might be doing even more Picard, let's say, in the fourth quarter of this year. Not Picard, part, I guess it would be Picard. We could be doing more Star Trek in general um, as, as what went from a very busy schedule now could... No, all that could be rescheduled too so always ready to talk more Star Trek always ready to talk more pop culture but for now Pete I'm just going to say adios to all the listeners and give you the final word adieu